Recording in progress. Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, on this week's show, we are glad to have an old friend back on the program. He, of course, is uh, well known in the Tampa Bay and Orlando sports talk markets, national radio sports talk show host for many years. And, of course, uh, he has the Todd Wright Toddcast, the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast, and, of course, he's got golf tours, too. A man of many, many hats, and always a pleasure to welcome my former colleague at WGTO back in the day, Todd Wright, to the show. Todd, great to have you. Hello, Jeff. Nice to be back on your podcast. You've had me as a guest a couple of times, and it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while and uh, long overdue. And of course, uh, of course, you uh, you uh, cover football. You know, unlike anybody else, uh, you're you're deep into it. It's from the fantasy side and the sports side of things. So, just kind of wanted to get do a little capper on this NFL season. Of course, Super Bowl Fifty Eight now in our rear rearview mirror, and uh, the Chiefs. You know, win their third Super Bowl. 25-22 are the Niners in overtime. Give me your overall capsule of, of the game. Better team won uh, on the Todd Wright Toddcast uh, before the game. I gave five reasons the 49ers would not beat the Chiefs in no particular order. Those five reasons were uh, the Chiefs had a better defense and would match up better uh, to limit McCaffrey uh, from doing a lot of damage. Now, McCaffrey still had 160 yards of total offense, but on those third downs, he wasn't as much of a factor. He only he averaged less than four yards per carry. That's what the Chiefs wanted to do. Second of all, I just I made the point, and this has happened in a number of playoffs over the years, Jeff. Teams that win look better in the playoffs beat teams that don't look as good as in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. The, uh, the, the Niners played two games, both at home, both slow starts. Chiefs play three games, one at home, they were dominant, two on the road that they haven't had to do in the Mahomes era. era. They take out the Bills, they take out the Ravens. I think they were the better team. Third reason, uh, the Chiefs came from the AFC. Look, we're, we're not in that spot yet that we, we were a number of years ago when one conference just dominated the Super Bowl. But I think most of us would agree that the AFC all year looked like the better and deeper conference. So the Chiefs came from that. Uh, the fourth one was, with all due respect to Brock Purdy, who was good on Sunday. He was good. He didn't throw a pick. Mahomes threw a pick. But Mahomes led his team in rushing. Purdy didn't, had 12 yards. Um, Purdy doesn't seem like the guy, maybe yet, that puts a team on his back and says, we're going to win this thing. We know Mahomes is. So if you put Mahomes and Purdy and said, choose one to start a team with, 100 out of 100, unless one of those people is a Purdy family member, is going to take Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. He's just a generational talent, and people are, are, are learning that. And the last one was Kyle Shanahan. And, Jeff, I actually said this on Spectrum News 9 and Spectrum News 13 once the matchups were set. Uh, I said, in, in a couple weeks, people may be talking about whether or not Kyle Shanahan can win the big game. And that's what they've been talking about since the Super Bowl ended because it was another game where you can point at some things toward the head coach and say, what happened here? What, why didn't this go differently? Why – 
the only two times Kyle Shanahan teams with the Niners have had three third down conversions or less are Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl 58. They had 10 point leads in both of those Super Bowls. Kyle Shanahan's teams lost two NFC title games the previous two years with the Niners. And we all remember he was the one calling the plays that couldn't maintain a 28 3 lead for the Falcons in Super Bowl 51. So I point fingers there at Kyle Shanahan and going up against a Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid was a very tall ask for Kyle Shanahan, and he came up short. Yeah. And, of course, this Chiefs team, a little bit different than, than the previous Super Bowl winners. Uh, you get you, all this, you know, say their offense was rather pedestrian uh, through a lot of this season. Uh, and, and, you know, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, it's it's – you know, you hate to say the, the Brady thing, but, you know, he, he just has that thing where if he's going to get the ball last, he's got a damn good chance to beat you. If it wasn't for Brady, Mahomes may have five. Mm, true. I mean, you think about the Reed Mahomes, Kelsey era and what they've done for six years, which is they've qualified for six conference title games. This was the first year Kansas City had to play one on the road and they won it. Um, and they've gone to four Super Bowls. So they've won three Super Bowls, lost a Super Bowl to Brady, lost an AFC title game to Brady. So other than one big comeback by Joe Burrow, and don't overlook the Bengals, he, Burrow wasn't healthy this year. A lot of things happened. So the Bengals are still there. And we'll see what happens with Higgins. They are still a big threat, even with losing uh, Brian Callahan. But seriously. Yeah, other than Brady, right? We could be talking about Mahomes having five already. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And of course, you brought up, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, had the had 160 yards, as you said. And of course, uh, Christian McCaffrey was in a lot of championship games this year for fantasy football players. Yeah. I know, I know in my, in my league, uh, in my championship game, I was faced off against Christian McCaffrey. And of course, uh, you know, did it, you look at the fact that you know he is such a bell cow, and you kind of th- you kind of think could they have done a little bit more with him in this Super Bowl? Yeah, he touched the ball thirty times, but we played basically five quarters. So when you're three and twelve on third down, why why isn't he more of an option? Are you saying that the Chiefs were just able to take him out of play on those key? third downs. He, he was one of two people that got you in the end zone. And there were times that people said in the second half, where's the ball? Why isn't it going more to McCaffrey? It's not like Shanahan abandoned him completely, but there could have been more there because he is your best player. You were not getting enough from Ayuk. You were not getting enough from Debo. You barely got anything from George Kittle. So why aren't you dialing more stuff up for your best player, who, as you and I would, would both acknowledge, because I did pick him number one overall in a fantasy league, where everybody else passed on picking first, and I took McCaffrey. And if you remember many months ago, Jeff, there was the big talk in fantasy leagues. Do you go McCaffrey or do you go Jefferson? Well, people like you and I went McCaffrey, and people that passed on McCaffrey probably didn't win their fantasy leagues at a high enough percentage as we did. So, Jeff, pat ourselves on the back. Hmm. We knew how to use 
Christian McCaffrey to win in fantasy football. Kyle Shanahan didn't know how to use Christian McCaffrey to win a Vince Lombardi trophy. Yeah. Well, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about our Dallas Cowboys in the, mm-hmm. in the, in this past season. Um, you know, I have to admit, I am now entirely exasperated by, by the, by the Cowboys at this stage of the game. And I know Mike McCarthy's had, you know, double digit, double digit winning seasons. Uh, but they're, they're zilch in the playoffs. And it, it doesn't seem to me like they're really willing to do anything to change that. Just the one win, right? A dominant win that sent Tom Brady into retirement. That's, that's it. Now, Dak is two and five mm-hmm. um, with any coach in the playoffs. Much like a Lamar Jackson is only two and four in the playoffs. You know, when we talk about quarterbacks, some guys have it in the postseason and some guys don't. Same with the NBA, Jeff. And when you and I worked together in Orlando, we were both huge fans of the NBA. I'm not so much anymore. (laughs) I don't know about you. And some guys were playoff performers and some guys weren't. I mean, I still know James Harden, still not a playoff performer in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hockey guys, uh, Connor McDavid is not a performer in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a different world when you get to that time of year. And I'm sure there's some baseball people that would be screaming out names about who is and who isn't. I don't think Dak has it. I said it before this past year, uh, even off the playoff win against the Buccaneers because of how Dak performed in the second straight loss a year ago against the San Francisco 49ers in what was a winnable game on the road at San Francisco. And then this year, uh, getting down 27 to nothing, 14 of that is on Dan Quinn's defense. Thir- you know, the, the other two touchdowns are on Dak Prescott. He threw a pick six and he threw another pick that set up uh, another touchdown. Um, I'm trying to remember something I looked up. Oh, here it was, Jeff. So we all know Dak is two and five in the postseason. In, let's see, in six of those seven postseason games, his Dak Prescott offenses have accounted for one touchdown or less in the first half of six of those seven games. The win against Brady and the Bucks being the exception. Mm. You got to be ready to go. Yeah. You got to hit the ground running. You got to be able to dictate to your opponent, hey, we're going to be here all day. So try to keep up, especially when you're quarterbacking an offense that's putting up ridiculous numbers as they often have done in this McCarthy run of 12 wins. Jeff, I'm with you. I don't like Jerry running this back with the same head coach and the same quarterback one more time just because of the 12 regular season wins for three straight years. Because, you know, unless they win a playoff game last year, how do you and I or anyone get interested? Yeah. Really? I mean, you're setting yourself up for literally uh, get Super Bowl or bust. The regular season almost doesn't mean anything. They could go 17 and zero. (laughs) <laughs> and it does. What does it really mean yeah. <laughs> that they go into the first round of the playoffs and lose to Green Bay or lose to San Francisco or whomever is going to be a really hot team that particular time? I don't like it at all. Um, the, the Dan Quinn thing uh, sort of muddles it a bit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, although his 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 defenses didn't perform didn't perform that well down the stretch for the Cowboys. I don't like it any more than you do, Jeff. I really don't. I we can have this conversation in a year. I think we're talking about a new head coach. We're talking about potentially a new quarterback, and uh, maybe hitting the reset button for Jerry Jones. Yeah, and of course, you know, Mike Zimmer's been hired as the defense coordinator second time around. I don't hate it. But I'm not really warmed up to it yet because typically for me, the second time around generally is not the same. Although I will give Mike Zimmer credit for one thing. When he was a DC the first time around, and I give him credit. I mean, he was, he was a great defensive coordinator the first time around. Mm-hmm. So he was under Dave Campo. Parcells comes in and he retains Zimmer. And Zimmer had to learn to coach the 3-4 because Zimmer was a 4-3 guy. Yeah, which spoke volumes about his coaching ability, I thought, as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't get into 2.0s. The, the, to me, the, oftentimes they're not successful. The Mike Dolan thing was awful. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that was recent also. Did you read between the lines on what uh, Browning, the backup to Burrow, said about working for Mike Zimmer when Zimmer ran the Vikings? I didn't it, see it. it wasn't it wasn't good and I know that's when Zimmer was head coach but I don't like the way I I mean that was a very telling story about the way Mike Zimmer handles players and handles business. Mike Zimmer was the guy who didn't want Case Keenum after the Vikings went all the way to the NFC title game. They haven't been back to an NFC title game since. I I think the Mike Zimmer era is done in mm-hmm. the National Football League even though he's stepping down from head coach to defensive coordinator. Don't like that either. Guess I can only say it's better than Rex Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would have liked Al Harris being promoted. Yeah, me too. I, Al Harris being promoted to DC. I don't really know what happened there. Yeah. And and they blocked him from the commanders too. So there you go. Yeah. Um so in this past football season, uh you know we you know, we kind of thought the Chiefs were going to be who they were and the Niners who they were. Mm-hmm. What happened to the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, that was a team that just really fell off the cliff. They really did. Um, believe it or not, as a Cowboy fan, one of my better friends, and it's because of my golf connections, is a local director of golf. I watched the Super Bowl sitting next to him with his parents over on the couch and his wife on the couch. So, I, I actually talk the Eagles and the Cowboys a lot with a very loyal Eagles fan. Even when they were winning the first three months of the year, he just kept looking at me and saying, this isn't going to work. Something's wrong. They don't look right. So I think it was a combination of bad offensive and defensive coordinators replacing two coordinators in Philly who left after going to the Super Bowl to take head coaching jobs in Indianapolis and in Arizona. Um, Sirianni couldn't fix it on the fly uh, because he uh, he didn't call plays when they were successful in going to the Super Bowl. Uh, so his choices of OC and DC didn't work. Uh, there were some other personnel things that you could nitpick. I also think Jalen Hurts, the accumulation of what he had done from last season into this season, I think he was playing significantly hurt Mm -hmm. and trying to play through it. And I think it was frustrating for him to try to do that. 
And then near the end of the year, I think the entire Eagles team mentally and physically had kind of checked out. It didn't surprise me at all that they were essentially a no-show in the playoffs uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that's kind of what – I mean, you lost to Arizona two weeks before with an opportunity to, to win the NFC East and, and play home games. I, I don't – I just – I think the Eagles lost their edge. Sirianni lost that room, and they kind of just quit. So um, coordinator changes, get Jalen Hurts healthy. Look, it's not like the Eagles are going away. Right. But Sirianni's on a short of a leash to start next year, I think, as Mike McCarthy is. Yeah. And what do you make of the uh, Washington Commanders uh, hiring Dan Quinn and, and, and the reset that they're doing with new ownership after the, the, the torture that they've gone through with Dan Snyder for many, many, many years? Well, first, I really want to know, and, and Mike Florio of NBC Sports has called out Adam Schefter for this report that Adam Schefter basically said uh, the commanders couldn't afford Ben Johnson. All right, why? What? And it felt like Florio said, that's wrong. That's Schefter covering up why the commanders could not get Ben Johnson. There was another report, it wasn't from Schefter, it wasn't from Florio, that the commanders were unwilling to go more than four years and, and perhaps that was holding things up with Ben Johnson. Now let's go back a year, Jeff. Ben Johnson was pretty far down the road to get the Carolina Panther job, and then suddenly, nah, I'm staying with Dan Campbell. Ben is as loyal to his head coach as any OC is to his head coach in the NFL. You can go back and look at Johnson's history, and often where he's been, Dan Campbell has been. So there's a comfort level there. Um, also, the phone call on the plane while the commanders are flying to Detroit to interview Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson. Yeah, he's not coming. I want to know what happened there, because to me, it looks like Washington really botched this. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, all right, we got to do something. So we've already talked to Dan. Is it a consolation? Is it a compromise candidate? What I don't like about it, and I am a Dan Quinn fan, but what I don't like about it, Jeff, is bigger picture. Five of the new eight head coaching hires in the NFL have defensive backgrounds. The last five Super Bowls, all 10 head coaches have offensive backgrounds. Bill Belichick is unemployed. Pete Carroll is unemployed. Mike Vrabel is unemployed. I'm not saying this is forever, but right now, if you want to win a Super Bowl, if you want to get to a Super Bowl, You need a head coach who knows how to get the most out of his offense and his quarterback and is either calling offensive plays or knows how to offensive game plan. And Dan Quinn isn't that. Jared Mayo isn't that. Mike McDonald in Seattle isn't that. Raheem Morris in Atlanta isn't that. And there was one more uh, D.C. hire out there. So that's why. I like the three hires that went to the offensive side of the ball, namely the one that should have happened a year ago when the Chargers blew a 27-point lead in Jacksonville. They should have hired Harbaugh one year ago to get the most out of Justin Herbert. Yeah, of course, I think you read my mind because I was going to ask you what you made of Belichick and Frable not being employed this season, and it, it, it is somewhat of a shock. But if you see the, the trend going offense, you know, that's, uh, that's where everybody goes. And it's the Patriot way, 
Jeff, what happened to the Patriot way? Now, someone said recently, it was a former player said about the Patriot way. We worked for Belichick. We played for Tom. So Tom leaves, wins the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Bill didn't win a playoff game without him. He's under 500 as an NFL head coach without Tom Brady. The Patriot way, Vrabel, out of work. Um, McDaniels, fired twice. Patricia has had a rough go. Detroit, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like the Patriot way works unless you have a generational quarterback (laughs) in Tom Brady. And as of today, he's not playing. Yeah. (laughs) That still could change, right? But today, he's not playing. Yeah, so... Dan Campbell, uh, you know, what a great story that was with the Lions this season. Of course, I've always been a Dan Campbell fan. He played for the Cowboys for a while, backing up Jason Witten, was a team captain. Um, you know, when he was the interim at Miami, those guys played for him. You could tell that he had that he had that secret sauce. Uh, that was, it was a great story to see, you know, you, maybe too too risky at times, but you, you know what? He, he did not change the way he got there. No, uh, there's a lot about Dan I like, but when it went bad for Detroit, boy, it went bad, right? And that's where your head coach needs to be the one to 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 stop the bleeding. Mm. And maybe we're at the point, Dan needs to go to Ben Johnson and say to him, when it comes to fourth down, it's your call. It's not my call. It's your call. Do what you think is right. If we're going to kick a field goal, if you say kick a field goal, we kick a field goal. If you say we go for it, we go for it. Maybe Dan's not equipped to handle those decisions. Maybe he, I think he's a really good coach. Not every coach is perfect at everything. Mm-hmm. Let Ben handle those things. Put Take those decisions and say, I'm not good at it. Ben, your call. You make that call for me. You make that for the good of the team because I admit I get too emotional and my players have my back on going for two, even from the seven yard line against the Cowboys (laughs) that he got a chance to not do it from the three and a half. He did it again. (laughs) Give that to somebody else. Ben's obviously a very capable guy. Let Ben make those calls, not Dan. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if it would have been, it would have been a great story if Detroit had made the Super Bowl for the first time ever. Oh, it was uh, it was fun to watch in the postseason uh, what was going on at Ford Field, and then it all just—I was very—I've been very skeptical all along about Lamar Jackson being a Super Bowl quarterback, and I was very skeptical that Dan Campbell was going to make some bad decisions that would kind of, what's the right word? Start a, a chain of events with the Lions and, and they beat the Lions again. And, you know, a ball going off a face mask and are you catching it on the two-yard line and a, and, a, and, a, and a fumble right around there and some other, and a drop ball. Yet yeah, those things happen. And even Lions fans will say, well, that's us. We're the Lions. <laughs> and they own it. But if you're going to if you're going to win it all, you have to overcome those things. You have to make sure if any of those things happen in the last what 
half of the fourth quarter or anywhere on the final drive for the Chiefs, they don't win the Super Bowl. Right? Mm -hmm. They don't win. Right. That's a very fine line everybody walks. Against the Ravens, Marquez Valdez-Scantling needed to catch the ball, even though he he was the poster child for all the drops once Kadarius Toney wasn't playing anymore. He caught the ball. You have to make big plays when you are asked to. You have to make proper coaching decisions when you are asked to. That's what Detroit must overcome if they are to run this back. I have my doubts. Because here's a good one, Jeff. I talk about this on the podcast. Goff would have been the first starting quarterback to lose a Super Bowl his first time and get back to try it again since Jim Kelly lost Super Bowl 25 and got back the next year. Now, a handful of years later, Elway got back and won two. But the last guy to start his first Super Bowl and get back at all was Jim Kelly. Wow. It just shows you how losing the Super Bowl. People said it about Dan Marino, right? Wow. He lost one. We all said, well, he's going to be back. Never got back. It's, it's 30 years of losing quarterbacks that aren't getting back. And I'm just saying the ones who lose their first try, mm-hmm. their first try, Jim Kelly's the last one to get back. And that was 33 years ago. Yeah, it does show you remarkably how hard it is uh, to, to get back there. Uh, it, it definitely, definitely so. So let's talk about the team in your backyard, Tampa Bay Bucks, And uh, they, may, they make the playoffs. What is your assessment of them? And is Baker Mayfield the guy? I'm stunned they made the playoffs. I don't believe in Todd Bowles, but I give him his share of credit for how they got hot at the right time. They were healthy. That helps. But there's there's no blame there. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of beating beatable teams. Um, something good happened there down the stretch for Bulls, Baker, and the Buccaneers. It rolled right into the Philadelphia game. Uh, they didn't let Philadelphia get up and suddenly flip the switch. And I think we all agree. The Bucks fought hard in Detroit. Detroit was the better team. But Detroit really had to play hard and play well to beat Tampa Bay. Uh, so we'll see what Bowles gets out of this now that he's lost Canales. Okay, because Bowles is a coach with a defensive background. Everything that went on with Mayfield, Evans, the offensive side of the ball, Rashad White being productive. Bowles gets no credit for that. That's Canales. Okay, Bowles, you get credit for signing off or hiring canals. Now, what are you going to do? Was Liam Combe the right pick just to pacify Baker Mayfield? Look, Baker could go to Atlanta and work with Ram coaches. He knows Raheem. He knows Robinson. He knows the quarterback coach. So he could go there and do the same thing. And we know the Falcons are in the market for a quarterback. The average starting quarterback salary last year in the NFL, Jeff, for someone not on a rookie deal was $37.5 million. Baker played for four. <laughs> There's no discount here. Yeah. The Bucks cannot ask him for a discount. They can't do it. And if they do, he should say no. Mm. You, got, you got a quarterback for $4 million when the rest of the league was paying $37.5 for a guy for, for veteran quarterbacks. 
My suggestion is, remember how Carr in New Orleans got four years, 150? Add three years and 146 and sign Baker for that right now. You're essentially saying you're worth at least what David Carr was worth. Here's three years, 146. I don't think the Bucs will do that. Mm -hmm. I'm still not convinced Baker is staying because, Jeff, it's amazing. No Buccaneer quarterback has ever gotten a second contract in the history of the franchise. Mm -hmm. No starting quarterback in Tampa Bay has ever gotten a second contract. It's a big challenge for Baker Mayfield, and we know there are more than a handful of teams out there who need starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, that's a remarkable stat because, I mean, I could see that during the Culver House era. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but beyond that, that's, that's, that's crazy. It is crazy. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Todd, as always, man, I, I always enjoy it when you get to hop on with us. And of course, uh, what are your, uh, your endeavors in retirement? Uh, and of course you're a guy who works harder in retirement than, <laughs> than most, uh, you got your golf tours that, uh, that happen uh, quite frequently. Uh, uh, give us a, give us a, uh, the, the, the free plugs, uh, if you will. Thank you. I just hosted Todd Wright Tour XLV. I market my tournaments like Super Bowls. I use the Roman numerals. So just hosted my 45th. We started this in October of 2015, and I started it because I was playing in a lot of amateur tournaments, team play, and just saw a number of things I didn't like. And I chose to host my own to get rid of those things and see if it worked. And it's worked for now almost 10 years. It's a lot of, it's a lot more work than I ever thought. My players love to play. I have made so many contacts in the local business world who offer me prizes to give to my players, directors of golf, general managers of country clubs. Jeff, during COVID, we hosted an event at Walt Disney World because The only thing at Disney that was open was the golf courses and they courted me and I knew me and my players could get in a car in Tampa, drive up I-4 in an hour, drive right to the golf course at Disney, enjoy the day, get back in our car, drive right back down I-4 in an hour. It worked. My players keep saying, are we going to play Disney again? Probably not. (laughs) I mean, it was a different world then, but we took advantage of it. We've done a lot of exciting things. My footprint has gone as far north as Black Diamond, as far east as Walt Disney World, as far south as uh, River Hall in, um, in um, just outside of Fort Myers. I can't go west. That's, that's the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> uh, it's very rewarding. I'm booked through hosting a 50th event next Super Bowl Saturday in 2025, and then I may be retiring from that. I don't know. Because also, Jeff, I've never charged more than $99 per player for any of my events. Never. Never. And it's, it's tough to do that with inflation and the popularity of the golf business. I don't know if I can keep it going beyond one more year, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. So your last tournament was, uh, was a good versus evil? Yes. How does that work? We take nine holes, make them as easy and fun as possible with various stipulations on each hole. We take the par threes. We put two cups, two pins, get it ball in either cup. You got one pin over here, one pin over here. If you aim at this one and end up at this one, it's fine. Uh, We give you, you can use a T on your second shot on par fives. 
We give the tallest player an extra drive on a hole. We give the oldest player an extra putt on a hole. We give the um, the youngest player an extra approach on a hole. We do various various things like that. We, we use the big cup on one hole that's like two or three times bigger. So it, it creates more eagles and birdies. And then on the evil side, all bets are off. <laughs> it's whatever me and the director of golf can come up with to make golf even more difficult than it already is. We take flag sticks out on one hole. We put a flag stick stick behind a hazard near the green. So if they were lasering it for yardage, they saw one yardage, the flag stick was in the, in the turf with no cup. The cup was 30 yards uh, ahead with no flag stick. So they missed the green and their yardage was off. Uh, we had a random air horn firing in some people's swings. I had a local radio host in Tampa on the on a par three, talking like the uh, the clown at the fair and the dunk <laughs> tank uh, to people as they hit. Uh, flexible putters that are tough to use, croquet mallets instead of putters. I replaced one hole with a hockey net with a hobby bull and bobblehead and two lightning defensemen. You've got to get your ball into the hockey net instead of into the cup. And then the one, the one everybody likes is you take a Buffalo turbine machine, which is owned by most country clubs and you get a, a leaf blow, a leaf and debris blower. And you put it by the green near the cup and you just turn it on and people are trying to putt. And that blower is just blowing your ball. If you don't putt it perfect, your ball is going to be blown away from the cup. It is very hard. It's a lot of fun. And we brought that back this year as one of the evil stipulations. Ah, oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a blast. <laughs> it is. It's, the players want me to do it more often. I keep telling them, do you know how much work this tournament is? <laughs> that's why we only do it once a year. Well, that's great stuff. Well, uh, I'm sure you got... Like you said, you got uh, five more in you at least, and then we'll five, see. Yeah. Then we'll see. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Always appreciate it. It's always great to uh, uh, relive old times and uh, back in uh, the glory days of radio. And uh, you know, you were one of the you were one of the top people I ever got to work with. So it was awesome. Jeff, I can't say enough about the 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 time I worked with you at WGT slash WGTO. And it wasn't just that you and some others believed in me and we were, you know, I was the first afternoon drive sports talk show and it didn't hurt that that was right around the time the magic got good. Mm -hmm. And to make extra money, you let me, you let me run Ed Hartley's board. One of the, I mean, I laughed every day running that board for Ed, who was so much fun, other Orlando legends and, and Peter Rocchio and Clive Thomas, I still to this day, when I hear the word muscles, I remember Rocchio doing his show and he was doing an endorsement for a restaurant. He's talking about the chef, the chef. And he says on the air, God, his muscles are out of this world. And the phone lines just lit up for people saying, make sure you isolate that audio for Ed Hartley. And it was one of the best isolated audios we had. And I heard that live driving from Tampa to work that day. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, we already got it. So just memories like that. Jeff, you were a ton of fun. Terry, just all the guys. Joyce in sales, who I still – you know, stay in touch with after all these years, big Chicago girl. 
we had we had a great run at a very tough time for local radio. It was so much fun for me. And it filled a gap in my early career that I don't know that I could have filled any other way. Cause you know, when we, when we all were told not to come to work anymore, I got a call from the sports radio station I had worked at in Tampa Bay. And I said, when could, and they said, basically, you know, are you interested? I said, yeah. And I said, well, when do you need somebody? And they said, well, how long does it take you to drive back to Tampa? And I had, I had a job like an hour and a half later. It just worked out, but man, it was, it was great around the time with the magic. And you, I did the opposition position on your magic pregame show and you guys sold out my endorsements. You really kept me going. Who knows if it hadn't been for you, Jeff, and everybody at WGTO, I might've found something else to do and never had the career at ESPN. So thank you. Oh, well, I think I had very little to do with that because uh, of the amazing talent you are. But, uh, uh, you know, it was such a great time because, I mean, we were, you know, we had the smallest staff of any radio station in town. We were a standalone. Well, we biggest signal. Yes, the biggest signal. We had 50,000 watts and could do whatever we wanted with it. Yes. And what I liked about and that was my favorite radio job by far. And what I loved the most about it was, you know, we just didn't go by the rule book. You know, we just we just laid it out there. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. If it works great, if it doesn't, go on to the next thing. And that yeah. was one of the most gratifying experiences I ever had just because it was just, you know, a group of guys, you know, just coming together and, you know, everybody's ideas were valid. You know, it was just a, it was just it was, it was like, the you know, the, the big underdog. And, you know, we were on the cusp when the magic rights came up. And I had been told by somebody within the organization that we were a whisker away. That would have changed everything. Yes. That would have changed everything. Well, I'll ask you. If 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 the station knew it was going to get the magic rights, is there a sale? Or are we all still, you know, at that moment, are we all still still in business? Oh, we'd have still been in business. Really? Oh yeah. I never knew this. Yes. Um so yeah, that was a that was a that was a, a, a it was a, a revelation I only found out years and years later. But but it was like just thinking back on that, had we had we got it, and the biggest thing we did, we offered them basically the radio station. Sure, this is your programming, and WDBO was forced into carrying more programming than they wanted to at the time. <laughs> it reminds me of when. I was I had season tickets to the Cowboys 2001 to 2006. Most of that time still working for ESPN. And I would work out of the ESPN radio affiliate in Dallas after going to the Cowboys games on Sunday nights before flying home or to Bristol on Monday. And that ESPN station threw everything at Mark Cuban and said, what do you want? What do you want? We'll give you whatever we want. And they got the Mavericks. And that legitimized... At that time, ESPN Radio Dallas against the ticket, which was the sports station in Dallas. So that what you're saying reminds me of what happened in Dallas. Yeah. And uh, thanks for telling me that. Who knows? So 
I could have been doing the sports drive another year or two or more. <laughs> yeah, could have been a, could have been a whole different story. But uh, but you think- gave me Fridays off. I was Monday through Thursday because you had you had Pat Williams on Friday. Yeah, you had a golf show on Friday. You gave me three to six Monday through Thursday. It was it was a great job. So wow, I mean things obviously worked out for me. They work out in life for all of us. Yes, but. I'm going to think about that a little bit more. And the next time we do your podcast, ask me, uh, ask me what I think of the alternate universe theory of us <laughs> continuing at that station as the home of the Orlando magic. That would, yeah, we will definitely do that. Yeah. All right, Todd. Thanks again. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen sports talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.